Well, hello there, everybody. How are you guys? Welcome to the Brutally Honest Podcast. I'm your host, Harrison Barron. Also the founder. With my blood, sweat, and tears. Anyway, um, just wanted to welcome you to the show. So thank you for tuning in. Greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, and I was told to say this, um, I, I would ask you to subscribe. Helps me greatly. Um, and if you and if you really enjoy the show, share it. Share it with your friends. Um, there's a lot of good content in this episode. Not saying that other episodes don't have good content, but if you're a business owner, HR person, anything of that nature, definitely recommend listening to uh, the entirety of this. This is uh, this is pretty powerful for those positions. Um, as far as that goes, we have the giveaway for the draft top. So. If you don't know what it is, it's the ultimate beer opening device, uh, beer can opening device. It cuts the top off the beer can, leaves no sharp edges. It is ridiculously cool. They started on Kickstarter. They are giving one away. So if you'd like to get one, you can either go to my Instagram, Harrison underscore Baron, and you can click the little link in the bio, or, and it's been like on the the Facebook page for a while now, and then, or you can go to brutallyhonestpodcast.com and sign up under extras right at the top you'll see the draft top giveaway cool little device um super appreciative that they're giving it away my buddy sean and armand um sean's actually been on the show he was in earlier episodes i gotta get with him to get him back on but i know he's super super busy um killing it with the draft top with that being said um and if you're looking to support the show i don't really push this all that much because i don't want people to feel like they need to support it but if you are going to support it or you'd like to support it and figure out how to support it um i have a patreon page i think it's patreon.com forward slash brutally honest podcast or harrison Brown, something like that um it's on the website as well under extras so you can support it um if you do greatly greatly appreciated if you don't and you just enjoy the content thanks and if you don't enjoy the content thanks appreciate it i'd rather know that you don't enjoy it than uh i don't really know how i was going with that one anyway uh on to the next thing here the i have to give a special thank you for the hanging hills brewing company with supplying me with some unbelievably delicious beer i'm currently drinking the ypa the yellow pale ale um it's 5.9 percent alcohol they sent me pints appreciate the pint uh, 12 ounces, I feel like it's cutting me a little short. Um, they're over in Hartford, Connecticut, and they were established last year in 2016. The beer is absolutely fantastic. I know they're one of the number one growing breweries over in the Connecticut area. And I uh, want to say, send a huge, huge, huge thank you for sending me some beer to drink. And as, as well as other things, a little coaster that I'm using and a pretty ridiculously cool uh, bottle opener as well. Uh with like the little finger cutouts. So thank you so much to them for sending me some delicious beer. And last but not least, um, thank you to the Nerds That Care for sponsoring the show. Uh, without the nerds, that this would not be uh, possible for me to do. So thank you so much for them. If you're wondering what the Nerds That Care do, they are your in-house third-party IT company. Um, for small and medium-sized businesses that really can't afford or trying to save money on hiring somebody in-house, um, it's a great alternative. They get deeply involved with your entire system. They have software that keeps track of everything from issues on your computers, viruses, updates, patching, security, the whole nine. 
Um, compliancy, I've spoken about it a handful of times, is huge. I actually speak about it on the show. It's huge. And it's something they work on. If you're curious or worried about not being um, compliant with rules, regulations, and laws, they're the people you need to talk to. Even a conversation can't hurt. Um, just pick up the phone, give them a call, 631-648-0026. Um, I don't normally give the phone number away, but um, you can pretty much ask for me, and I'll be there to help you out. The um, But that's what they do. They're there to make sure that you're compliant, you're backed up in case of an emergency, all that good jazz for your company. So a huge thank you to the nerds that care. Um, and my guest today is my buddy Noah. He has a ridiculously cool company, um, but we... I mean, we talk, we talk about his company, but we talk about a bunch of other things too. So, uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you hit the subscribe button, thank you so much. This was a long intro. I don't normally do this this long. I'm just enjoying talking to myself in this room alone by myself. Um, so thank you so much guys. And, uh, I hope you enjoy the show. voice you ever thought about you ever thought about going to radio and i was like fuck sure why not i mean it's fun and you talk about sports i mean it was a sports yeah round table i mean yeah sure Absolutely. i did i also did um color for basketball games okay. so i was courtside yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i met Explain john what color is for yeah. i i know it but whoever's so listening might there's not. there are two there are two people in any broadcast of a sports program you've got the analyst Mm-hmm. who's usually the more technical guy, breaks things down from a st- statistics, uh, play-by-play. Yeah, they know everybody's. Guy, the color guy is the guy that played basketball. I mean, I played basketball in high school. Mm-hmm. I was pretty good. And you say, oh, yeah, what, what just happened was a pick-and-roll. And the pick-and-roll works because this guy's a big guy, and he blocks the guard, and then he rolls around and gets the ball in the paint and scores. Yeah. Um, so, the, so color is just kind of like real-life experience. Gotcha. Play by play is the the sports nerds that never played anything but know the game. <laughs> I love the way the, yeah. the sports nerds that that never played it. Which I mean is I mean you think about the greatest play by play guys, and you think of like Al Michaels who called the um, 1980 U.S. hockey uh, win against the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. I mean he never played anything. But he gets it, and he's been on. You know, he's he's he was Monday Night Football, and now yeah, he's Sunday Night Football with NBC, and he's got a voice that everyone's like, "Hold on a second, I know that voice." Yeah, that's Al Michaels, and you know, I mean, that's that's cool. You know, I yeah. mean, Bob Wischusen, who I went to school with, who's now the voice of the Jets, he's got a great voice, and it's like you can tell. Oh yeah, I know that voice. The Jets must yeah, be playing. You just you know, you know, it's that person. Yep. And then you can pick your commentators and say, oh, you know, I know that this person's commentating. Exactly. Yeah, the first time I ever heard, like, oh, you know, color, what's it, color, and what's the other one? Color commentary and then play-by-play. Play-by-play. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, color. I'm like, what the fuck is color? Yeah. And then I, and the the craziest part, I never realized. Right. I never knew. I'm like, I just figured it was two guys, and I never, I never really sat there and listened to like they both one of them ha- speak. They, they both have distinct um, roles. Yes, in the broadcast. and I had no idea. And then I, and then once somebody explained it to me, I'm like, all right, that's a cool little concept. And then I was watching. I don't even remember what sport it was, and I was like, holy shit! The thing, the thing that 
so when when I was at BC, you'd see the guys that did color for hockey mm-hmm. and then play by play for hockey. Color is just talking about the game. Yeah. Play by play is saying, I mean, when you don't have players' names on the back of their jerseys mm-hmm. in any sport, think about it. I mean, you want to be like. 77 passes to 31 that passes to 66. I mean, you have to say Smith passes to Jones, passes – I mean – to know the rosters. I mean, the play-by-play guys – You have to know the back of your hand. because hockey is boom, boom, boom. You know, basketball, boom, boom, boom. It's not – you know, baseball – Probably isn't easier yeah. play by play because to think it's about like it too. that guy driving his car exactly who loves that team. exactly that's the guy that it's for it's and he not wants for to the, hear it yep not for the guy that's sitting watching on his couch it's for the guy the avid fan yeah the yeah. avid fan on his way to the work on his way to the grind whatever it is on his way home from a family event yep. trying to catch the game because he can't watch there like a lunatic that's exactly right but yeah it was the coolest thing and I was like blown away and I was like they figured it out like yeah. how, like. Who sat there and was like, we need to have two people that both describe two different things? Well, because you have two different fans. You have the fan that wants to hear the technical part, the play-by-play, who's passing to who, who's making this play, and then you want the everyday experience of the guy that played. Because we're all, you know, I mean, you played basketball in high school, you played basketball in college, you played soccer in yeah. high school, you played summer league. Most people have played yeah, sports. Yeah, something. And so if you did, Little League even. Yeah. So you want to hear the the player's perspective. Usually usually color guys are um the players that have the real life experience. Yeah. So And now how cuz you you've come from that background. So when they how long have they played till they go and do that commentating like Oh, are I there, mean, are there any like retired professionals? Well, that the perfect, are just perfect like, hey, example you know. is Tony Romo, who's a quarterback for Dallas Cow, who was yeah, the quarterback yeah. for the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. who now does um, color. He's a color analyst for NFL games. I mean, he 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 went right from he retired last year, and now mm-hmm. he's a color uh, commentary uh, broadcaster. Jobs after jobs. Troy Aikman, same thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of the guys in the booth, if they're doing color, played the game. So and yeah. usually if you're if you're if you're commenting on the NFL you played in the NFL if you're commenting yeah. on the NBA you played in the NBA so gotcha. yeah pretty cool stuff I mean um, who the hell who's the coach Do you, are you a Knicks fan I'm not a huge believe it or not I'm not a huge sports junkie yeah so, at all I'll watch when I'm when I'm there or when I'm if I'm at the bar or whatever it is but as far as like going going right. home and whatnot I was like I just I don't have time to watch sports so Jeff Van Gundy who is the coach of the Knicks okay he now is a color commentary um, broadcaster for the NBA and he never played basketball he was always a coach or an mm-hmm. assistant coach and he coached the Knicks and now he gives perspective in terms of what's going on in game uh, on on air, oh, like so on the it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. So he can tell when there's a timeout. He can say the coach is probably talking about this or I that. Gotcha. They're talking about setting up a play that I, if I was th- there, I'd design this. Mm-hmm. You know, play off one person's weakness based on the game. Whereas the play by play guy is just interested in who's passing to who. Yeah, what's who actually happening at yeah, that moment? Yeah, oh, in the stands. Man. So it's pretty cool stuff. I wonder what the next future of sports commentating is going to be. It's if- probably more interactive. It's probably going to be like if you're a type of fan that wants to hear more about the analytics mm. versus the everyman, you know, the the guy that used to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see, you know, technology kind of getting the fan more involved in in the actual broadcast, mm-hmm. you know, where you can pick yeah, what absolutely. you want to hear and how you want to hear it. That's crazy. Yeah, but that yeah. that's happening now anyway. I mean, if you th- if you look at uh, so I'm a I guess I'm a Jets fan. Um, I'm more of a college football fan, but going to MetLife Stadium from Huntington 
is a nightmare. I was going to say. That's, it's three hours there. It's yep, three it's hours hike. back. You're sitting in a cramped seat. You got to get up and pay $11 for a hot dog, 12 bucks <laughs> for a beer, right? It's. I'd rather sit in my house, it's, watch my 60-inch television. The, the crazy part is I know and, – and as I'm doing this more and traveling and whatever, just going around and meeting people – People like I went to uh, Indianapolis a couple years ago, and yep. people like, oh yeah, I'm like, like oh, you know, what does a seat go for? But like in a game, and they're like, oh, like I don't know, like twenty bucks. Yeah, and I'm like, wait, yep, twenty dollars, yep. and they're like, yeah, like we're on like field level. Yeah, and I'm like, there's, I'm like, what's like a hot dog go for? Like oh, you know, like seven bucks, six bucks. Yeah, what's a beer go for? I don't know, like eight. Yeah, I'm like, what? Are so we anywhere doing wrong here, right? So anywhere outside of New York, Boston, L.A., Chicago, maybe Miami, the cost of land is so cheap. Yeah, the cost of for construction is so cheap. <laughs> to build MetLife Stadium, I think was one point five billion dollars. Yeah, it's to crazy. build Lucas Oil uh, Field in, in Indianapolis was probably six seven hundred million, and and it's a nicer facility. Oh my God, Lucas Oil Stadium is gorgeous. And so I go to MetLife Stadium. Everything's cramped. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable. And you leave thinking, I just paid 175 bucks to watch uh, a, a team that I like, but I don't love. Yeah. I spent another 50 bucks in concessions, and I spent six hours commuting. That's like a – you have to be a diehard. Waited in line to go to the bathroom for 25 minutes a, at a clip. Mm-hmm. I mean and, – mm-hmm. and the chances of some guy – you know, you bring your kids, God forbid, and some, some you know, five guys behind you are, are – Swearing about everything and 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 puking on the floor. I mean stuff that yeah. I mean stuff that you know what the the fan experience. If you can't give me more than that, I'm not going to spend three, four, five hundred bucks to do that on any given Sunday. Yeah, and it's not a cheap day. No, and you're giving up that six. And I think the most important thing of the whole thing is is that six hours. Oh. Like sitting in traffic, sitting in traffic, sitting in miserable. I mean, I I sat in traffic for 25 minutes coming over here. And I hated it. I, oh my god! I don't get me wrong. I love working for the nerds, and I love being on Long Island. But yep. fuck New York. Dry, like, um, people want to hang out with me at like five o'clock out west and or out east, and I'm like, no. Yeah. Like, I will go to the bar and I will drink and w- and I'll have a beer or two before I go somewhere to kill that time. Like, if, yep. I'm, if I'm in Garden City at five o'clock, what's the sense? I'm not go. I'm not going to be home for two hours. I'd rather. I'd rather go find a friend, go to a buddy's Hang house, out, catch up. Yeah, yep. fuck it. I'll go to a movie by myself. Anything. Yep. To not like, I'll wait till traffic's over. I'll I'll leave at seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock. Long Island Expressway, it's exit fifty six. It's a parking lot. At six o'clock. Twice a day. At six o'clock. Like yeah. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't. And, and I'm I'm not talking ten minutes outside of Manhattan. You're talking about an hour outside of Manhattan, and it's a parking lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all stupid. It's if you crazy. if you boil it down. It's stupidity. It it's not crazy because we we voluntarily do this. We voluntarily. I have the best commute in the world. It's seven minutes. Okay. And for anyone who says no, I have so the do best I. commute, man. I I work in my house. I'm like, yeah. no, no. Not always a good commute, man, because then you end up working a shitload. Yeah. And you're you're you and it's, I'm pretty certain there's studies on this because I've read them. Where productivity. You, well, your productivity goes up because you're always surrounded by work, and you you wind up working like if you get paid the salary for like forty hours a week, you wind up working like. I think it's on average 56, if I recall correctly. Because mm-hmm. you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I might as well just bang out this email. Like, it's in my house. But, which is great for productivity, but what happens psychologically. There's is, no difference. Th- well, yeah, there's no difference. And then people start resenting their house. And I'm like, wait, what? 
And then now you hear these people that build out offices inside their house, and now they're dedicating a chunk of their house to work, and they only work when they're in that room, but now you're sacrificing a chunk of your house. Yep. And I'm like, this is this is insanity. Yep. Absolute insanity. Like, cool, you get to work at home, but like, if you work at home and you're miserable all the time, is it worth it? No. Nope. Like I, that, I think I the home office is overrated. I think the home office, when you have no separation between work and life, personal yeah. versus professional, I think it's a horrible um, formula. I met a guy who would travel through three states to get to work. Three fucking states. He'd go from New York to, I think, Port Jeff to Connecticut. Connecticut? No, to Rhode Island. Port Jeff goes to Rhode Island. And Port, then, Jeff, Port Jeff goes to Bridgeport. Orient goes to New London, both Connecticut. So they go to oh, Connecticut so, and then they go to Rhode Island to work. Yes, so yeah, three yeah. states, three states, yeah, three yeah. states. You'd have. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. I'm like, dude, what's your commute in the morning? Like, what's your commute on average day? He's like, ah, it's like two and a half hours each way. I'm like, you are out of your fucking mind. <laughs> yep. Five hours a day in your car. Like, granted, yeah, you're not driving for five hours. Yep. You're on the. But you're on a. You're, you're stuck on the ferry. On a ferry. Yep. And you and you are also. You're tied to schedules. I used to commute into the city, and the thing that drove me nuts in the morning, it's easy. Mm-hmm. I'd be on the 650, 650 or the 717 out of Cold Spring Harbor into the city. You can gauge that. You, can, yeah. you hit your alarm. It's 6 o'clock. You get up, shower, and you get on the train. Mm-hmm. The problem with commuting is I would want to be on the 630 train back. Mm. And you'd get on the subway. I worked downtown. Mm-hmm. You'd get on the subway, and you miss that 630. So then you can take the 656 or the 722. The 722 is the express. The 656 is the dreaded local. Yeah. So you hang out in Penn Station. You drink beer. You eat pizza. So you get fat. <laughs> and and you don't, you, you're don't. you an hour off of your schedule. So mm. instead of getting home at 730, you get home at 840. And you go home. The work-life balance. Oh, and then you got to eat. And then rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Yeah. So it's it's not I, – I, I get it. A lot of a lot of jobs require it, but it's a it's a tough life. Yeah, I. The craziest part is, and people are like you know, I'm like I, the amount of money that you would have to pay me to work in New York City is disgusting. Yeah, and they're like, why? I go, why would I want to dedicate four hours minimum, four hours of my day to get to and from work? Then I, I will tell you though, the people that commute and take the train. Uh-huh. At least you can read the paper. You can respond yes. to emails. You can work on your computer. But that the people that drive for work, man. But the people that drive, I don't get the people that drive in. At least if you're on the train and coming back, you can have a beer, yeah. hang out with your friends. But the people that drive, I mean, you're just sitting in you're sitting in a parking yeah. lot for two hours in, two hours back. But I don't I don't get it. Like the crazy part is, I'm like, because I live I live over here in Bayport. You go to like Ron Cockup is the closest line. Most people don't take Sable. Because it's not the easiest to get in. You have to transfer, I think. Right? Transfer? Do you have to transfer? I don't even remember. But I think you might have to transfer in at Babylon to get into New York City. Yep. Or something like that. And and I'm probably wrong. Somebody's going to be like, no, Harrison, that's the wrong way to do it. But you go to Ronkonkoma. That's the, the typical commuter line. You get there. Even if you get there at 6 in the morning, that parking lot is it's a nightmare. Done. Yeah, you can't. Like, good luck so getting park, a spot. You got to park a half mile away. Yeah. Yep. If you're lucky, you park yep. a half mile away. Like... I went in there the other day. I went into New York City at 10 o'clock. And I was like, all right, cool. You know, walk to the train. It took me 10 minutes to find a spot. Yep. <laughs> and, and like, I didn't even realize. But there, that place, the grass, every single spot on the grass, every single sidewalk 
like net, like to get out car like th- a three lane road was a one lane because there was cars on both sides and the cops can't do anything because there's no room for anybody to park like they get that they they're not going to write people tickets for well that's a parking permit so i bought a parking permit mm-hmm. and there's no spots so if i can find a spot for the for the parking police to give you a ticket mm. is you know especially if you get there at six in the morning and you can't find a spot yeah it's not like you get there at ten thirty in the morning yeah. and, you and know. they get it they're, i mean i don't hopefully i, I genuinely I think, don't think that they're there to screw people right as long as it's not a safety hazard right but it's like it's just mind-blowing to me that i couldn't find a spot at all and then it's like why would anybody want to do this they race to the train at six God forbid they hit a couple extra lights that they didn't account for, and they so you miss their, your six. Then yep. you, yeah, then, you, then you're sitting there waiting for half an hour. Then you got to get on the next train. Yep, and then you're still crammed in this this train with more and more people just getting on as you get closer. Yep, I'm like this is crazy. Yep, it's absolute madness. Yep, and then you can't even escape to go anywhere. You're, you're stuck on this train, and then it's like, all right, great, I'm on this train for an hour and a half, and then now I have to figure out, I have to find another train. To hopefully get me close enough to my job where I could walk so I don't have to take a taxi. You need that midtown job. Because I, I work I downtown, and the downtown job is not only do you have the commute in on the Long Island Railroad, you have the commute from the subway from Penn Station down yeah. to Wall Street. Yeah. So you had another 25 minutes and the, um, the potential – for a subway not coming or mm. for an injured passenger or for some issue. Roof. Yeah. And so your hour and 45-minute commute can turn into two and a half hours real quick. It's crazy. Yeah. And people do it every day. Yeah. Well, they get sucked into the, the process, I think. So, which, I mean, I get it. If you want a company where the money is really good, by all means, do it. But, like, yep. I, met these, I met these two people the other day on the way home. Two teachers. They just got hired. And uh, they're, like, talking about their job. They're like, yeah, you know, work's pretty cool. I'm like, oh, like, how long have you guys been teaching? They're like, oh, it's my first semester. I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like, congratulations. And she's like, well, we don't get paid for, like, the first two weeks because they have to hold it in case we quit. And I'm like, all right, cool. And then she's like, yeah, pretty much, like, by the time we actually get paid between, like, all the paperwork, like, all the paper that we have to buy, stuff to set up the classroom, because you got to show that you care. Right. And by the time I try buy my train tickets and the parking permits, it's almost a wash. And I'm like, <laughs> what is going on? And I'm like, why did you do that? And they're like, well, we can't find any jobs on Long Island. And I'm like, it's a problem, though. There's a lot of, like, the this people. This is insane. Yeah. Companies moving out of New York, in fact. I mean, the, to start a company, you know, talking with your boss. Yeah. Starting a company in New York is tough. Is tough. I mean, very tough, especially a small company. If you relocate and you've got an established um, business, it's one thing. But to start a new company in New York, Super it's an tough. uphill battle. It's an uphill battle to start a new company yeah. anywhere. Expe- well, especially if it's a white collar company. Oh, yeah. If it's a blue collar company, all right. You know, you like service providers. Yeah, and that yeah kind service of, yeah, provider, yeah, yeah. construction yeah. workers, whatever it is. At least you're making. Like as soon as you get a contract, you can hire people and work. Right. Whereas a white collar company, you might there's a lot of back end paperwork. That I'm not. I'm talking even about just the regulations and the compliance stuff. Oh, absolutely. For any company, it's a nightmare. Anywhere. If you have more than 49 employees, it's a nightmare. 
and and I know companies that are like, yeah, we'll hire forty eight people, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's it. It's exactly and one right. temp, exactly. And that right. is, it. and those companies are going to be targeted in the future. When you have when you have forty seven full time employees and you hire ten part time employees, mm-hmm. those companies, I'm telling you. They're going to move the number down to 39 employees, and they're mm-hmm. going to move the number down to 29 employees because there's always ways of getting around it from a you know a W-2 versus a yep. 1099 mm-hmm. or a full-time versus part-time. And that, that's, that's what government entities want to do. They want to create revenue. So if they can fine you, then they're going to fine you. Oh, absolutely. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's stuff that we deal with. At, yeah, I'm sure. At nerds. I mean – compliancy with HIPAA and stuff like that and this is not like a plug for them but it's just like these they're coming out with all these laws and regulations and I'm like I feel so bad for the mom and pop shops who don't have the money to afford like an IT service or don't have the money to afford like an in-house IT guy or somebody to look over their paperwork or do an audit and I'm like I mean, I meet people all the time like, yeah, you know, we make enough money to get by, but we don't have any extra wiggle room. Right. And as long as you're happy with that, that's cool. But, like, as soon as those laws come out and HIPAA starts laying down the hammer of... Yeah, and there's also, I mean, there's no expansion. There's no, I mean, the local um, the local business owner mm-hmm. is something that in 20 years probably won't exist. Because, you know, how does a hardware store exist today if you have Home Depot and Lowe's within 10 miles? I mean, they can, they can they can offer you product that's cheaper and they have the ability i mean you know home depots in every state in the country so Mm -hmm. they make their money in mississippi and they might lose money in new york but they have to have a presence here the hardware store owner in downtown huntington isn't gonna be able to compete with it because they don't have the flexibility of knowing that other markets will make up for the losses that they might have. They have one store. Yeah. And so, you know, and then the owner's son and the, and or this, daughter. this will crush all of small business. Totally. Because you look at Amazon right now. You look at Amazon. I mean. I, I go in stores. I don't like, shop in stores. Well, here's the thing. Why would you shop in stores? Because Well, here. Return policies. I mean. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my son wants something. I say, okay, well, let's go on Amazon and figure out how much it costs. Mm-hmm. And even if it's, I mean, he'll find something in store that might be a buck or two cheaper. Mm-hmm. But I got to go to the mall. I got to yeah, park. I gotta travel twenty minutes. I got to park, and then the, the 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 potential for him in a mall. Mm-hmm. My son's thirteen years old, right? He's, He's going to look around the mall. He's going to say, "What about that? Yep. Oh yeah, I need this, and I need new sneakers, and I and and we came for something. We came for you know earbuds for his iPhone." And Crazy. and now I'm um, you know 150 bucks more than I ever thought I was going to spend walking in, mm-hmm. and oh I'm hungry let's stop and eat and and, and I mean that's I, I don't know how malls will exist I mean the brick and mortar right now in retail mm-hmm. I, I mean, think we, malls will always exist because there's something with people and I don't and I actually believe it or not that's the one area that I don't particularly enjoy going to but I don't hate going to. Right, like, cause you can see like, people watching and exactly. And yeah, 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 but like when somebody's like, "Oh, we got to go to this store," I'm like, "But to buy something, I don't mind going to the mall. It's fun, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Around the holidays, good stuff. But I'm not going to spend. I mean, most of the times in the malls, it's more. And okay, so I don't want to try stuff on in a mall. I'd rather buy three pairs of jeans. All the same, and and and, and, the, right and if they work, they work. If they don't work, I'll return them mm-hmm. for free. Yep. I mean, I you know, and I'll try them on in my house. I'm not gonna you know get undressed in some yeah. <laughs> some retail shop. In that doesn't you know? bother me. Actually, clothing is the one thing I'm totally okay with trying it on in the mall. Yeah, but 
I try it on the mall. I find what I like, and then I take down whatever information it is. And you so, buy it online. Exactly. Yeah. And I, and oh, okay, American Eagle. They have great. Right. Like, so so how does a brick and mortar exist if that's what you're doing and you like the mall? I don't oh, like because no if you're not buying it I from no them. Idea. If you're not going in and buying it from them, if you're actually just taking down the the specs and then buying them online, yeah. How does that business? Still buying exist? it from the company, but I just I get no. I get but you're buying but, identical ones shipped to my house. But Macy's needs you to buy it from them. If you buy Lucky Jeans mm. online instead of through Macy's, Macy's isn't Lucky Jeans. Macy's nope. is a distributor for Lucky Jeans. Macy's, so companies like Macy's add, gone are going to tank. Like Lucky Jeans outlet stores. Okay, I get that, but. Mm. But Macy's, I don't, I don't get how Amazon and Macy's live uh, uh, peacefully in the next five years, ten years. Those people are they're behind the times. I know, but those people are. I mean, sounds horrible, but those people are dying off. I mean, you talk about sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five year olds. When, when ten years from now, fifteen, twenty years from now, those people are no longer consumers, and and really, they're not hardcore consumers right now, anyway. Yeah. You know, you're talking about if you want to if you want to target 25 to 50 year olds in terms of what you want to sell, mm-hmm. that's that's your focus group right now. Yeah. You don't you don't really if you lose market share to the 75 year olds, with all due respect to my parents, the, no company is living or or not succeeding off of the 75 year old. Um, yeah. Market. Unless it's a medical grade right. equipment, that's exactly. pretty much it. Exactly. They they're not going out buying new clothes. They have more clothes than any of us combined. Yeah. Exactly, um, but the other the other crazy thing I had was, and, and I bartended a company a place called Five Points Cafe in Sable, and I worked last night, just whatever my one day a week. I have fun, hang out with all my friends that yep. come in, and some lady called in, and I thought it was going to be like a takeout order, very common, and she call, she calls up, and goes, "Hey, uh, what are your store hours tomorrow?" And I was like. think like 11 30 to like 10 o'clock at night and i'm like you probably called me from your phone from an iphone right or an android which says right there which you it literally is probably the button underneath mm-hmm. that says hours of operation and i was just like right scroll down yeah like all right maybe on the off chance you called on a house phone where did you find the information right because I you googled it. Yeah, you googled it. There's a ninety-five percent chance yeah. you googled it, and the hours are right there. Like, I, it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, why are you calling me to ask me? Was the hours she older? Operation? She sounded like she was like forty, forty-five, maybe fifty. I mean, everybody's voice is right. Very could be very deceiving, right? But I was just like mind blown at the fact that somebody even called to ask the hours of operation. Now, like, I'm like, you don't have our numbers saved. Unless you happen to get a flyer, which also says the hours right. on it. So, what happened? Like, what happened to you that you didn't make the connection of where there's information to call me? Well, I'm not uh, blaming her for it. I just don't. I would love to know what happened in between. It's the lazy consumer. I think. I think you find people. Really? Yeah, yeah. The people that buy stuff online all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll buy stuff and then I'll return what doesn't, you know, what I don't like. A lot of people buy, I mean, Amazon thrive. I mean, the the reason Amazon, Zappos, all these companies can do free returns Mm -hmm. is they know a bunch of people won't return them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you bought three different shoes and you kept them. 
yeah, you can return them if you want, but that means you got to wrap them up and you got to bring them down to UPS and you got to attach the return label and you got to find time to do that. Smart, I never and, even thought about and, that. Yeah, and so if you have a hundred consumers that you just that's sitting somewhere that you don't use, or you use it a couple of times because you're like, ah, I bought it, maybe I like it, maybe I don't, and mm. and once you once you use it, then you can't return it. Yeah, and the the hassle of you know which which Amazon will probably address by having you know we'll come to your place and pick it up. Just let us know. You know, go online and say, "Come pick up the stuff I don't want." But we'll put it in a little box. Drone will come and grab it, and see you later. Tony Shea, the the founder of Zappos, mm-hmm. that that he knew that people would buy shoes that they like, that they look nice. They might not fit great, and they'll buy three or four sizes, different colors, different styles, and they'll return most of them. But sometimes they won't return them, and so you make money off of off of doing it. And yeah, return free returns. If if it didn't make the company money, that's offering the free returns, they wouldn't offer it. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. And so, if you look at the Amazon business model, mm-hmm. is offer everything to everyone, and if they don't like it, they can always return it. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I, I can't like tell you the last day time. Grace period. And and if you're going to return it, you're going to return it within those 14 days. You'll and if it you're the not, next day. Gonna, yeah, yeah, exactly. You probably only need a three day grace period if you're going to return it. Oh, if yeah. you don't return it by day nine, by day 13, are you really? Oh, my day 14 is coming up. No, because you've bought something. A lot of it, a lot of it's impulse buying. Mm-hmm. Um, you've bought something for to to you know scratch an itch and you like it and you you've got a wedding next weekend mm-hmm. and you figure I'll buy three dr- different dresses and I'll try them on and they all fit and you think well you know what I also have a christening 4 weeks from now and yeah. then my nephew's graduating college next may so I'll just keep these brilliant i mean amazon's <laughs> killing it for a reason it's brilliant, brilliant. i mean it's brilliant i mean it's so it it really is it's so smart and so online Retail, I mean, so to get back to our whole point of brick-and-mortar malls, I mean, I, I whenever I go into Manhattan, I always think, who who's going to rent these buildings, these spaces in 30 years? Who has the money the, the telecommuting? To piss away? 170 like bucks a square foot in Midtown. Jesus. Like, what, what do you, like, what, is it 170? Maybe it's 120. Whatever it is, it's more than... I mean, Even 120 is astronomical. If you're starting, if you're starting a company, you, you need to have presence, right? And that's why we work works, and that's why we you you have these companies that basically um, exploit the need for new companies to have a New York City presence. So I want an address in New York City. I can rent uh, a mailbox at some company, uh, some building. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't that doesn't rent out you know twenty five thousand square feet to a professional yeah. uh, business, and so when when these companies start to realize that if I pay my to your point with the the home office mm-hmm. if I pay my employees the same amount but I tell them they don't have to come in to work because all their stuff is done on computer or through the phone mm-hmm. or through e- email like the expense of brick and mortar is roof. unjustifiable. Yep. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. So I'm I'm curious to see how the real estate market on Long Island, New York City evolves over the next 15, 20 years. And, you know, the standard the standard practice of companies 
Well, if you're if you're in New York, you need to have a New York City office. I, I mean, when I was a practicing attorney, I had the same thing. Mm. I had a I had a space at 42nd and Lex because I needed to show that I'm just not in Huntington. I'm in New York. Yeah. So when I send you a letter complaining about something that your client might be doing, you see the Manhattan address, and it's like, oh well, I he's better the, he's the real deal. Yeah, I better I better pay attention to this letter. Yeah. And I mean, not to selflessly plug. But one of the things that, that pushed me to to found, to co-found with my buddy Derek, uh, Ripple, was the whole concept of everyone does things because they've always done it a certain way, yes. right? Oh, absolutely. And 100%. so if you do annual reviews, I mean, Ripple's all about getting real-time. I'm glad you plugged it in because yeah, I was, I was no, getting no, no. that. I mean, real-time information about your coworkers and real-time um, data about how your – impacting how you're negatively or positively impacting the people you work with. And the fascinating thing is I I talk to companies all the time. For the last three years, I've been talking to companies who do the traditional annual review, Mm -hmm. who, you know, every 12 months you sit down and you say, Harrison, this is what you did right, this is what you did wrong, and everything in between. And it's a review, there's two there's two problems with the annual review from a from a verbiage perspective, right? One annual and two review. Annual means you're doing it once a year. Mm-hmm. You don't do anything once a year. If you do one if you do if it's important enough to do once a year, you should be doing it more often. Yes. 100%. Review. 100%. Review's in the back. Review is in the rearview mirror. You're looking back at what you did over the last 12 months. Yeah. What we do is we assess. We, we say that you're impacting people positively or negatively, and this is what's going to happen now, tomorrow, and six months from now because we're giving you real information, real-time, timely, actionable information. Whereas when you're reviewing something, you're saying, okay, Harrison, this is what you did the last 12 months. Good, bad, and in between, mm-hmm. but it's the, la- the last 12 months. It's not, this is what we need you to do. This is what yeah. we want you to do. Especially because I feel like over that over that review period, if you have a seriously bad, I don't know, two, three months, yep. but you're still getting through, mm-hmm. that's going to stick in their brain out of that whole, okay, you know, from April to April, what happened? You know what? It's actually not true. If that bad period, mm-hmm. the, the low period, occurred right before your annual review, you're screwed because that's what's going to stick in their brain. If Uh, the bad period started, let's say you get your annual review in September Mm -hmm. and the bad part happened last November and December Mm -hmm. and you were really just a toxic and, you know, a toxic addition to your team, you're negatively impacting everybody. Mm -hmm. By the time September rolls around, everyone's forgotten about November, Mm -hmm. December of the year before. What we do is we say, yeah, get your, get your arms around, Every time someone um, slips, because people slip. And if you talk to someone in December or January of last year, the ability to make an impact, to make a positive impact on that person's interactions with their coworkers is astronomically higher than if you wait till September. If you do remember it, remembering it accurately is probably not going to happen. So then you're talking about, I'm talking to you as your manager in Mm -hmm. September, 10 months after something happened. Yeah. The chances of it being accurate are slim to none. Yeah. Or if it's even relevant at this point. Right. Because the right, because chances are if it was a major impact, you probably negatively impacted people for the remaining part of the seven, eight, nine months yeah. after that. And if you didn't, you weren't a productive um, member of your team. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we show people through survey analytics that 
you can give feedback throughout the year mm-hmm. and make your experience as a as an employee stronger and almost as important make your experience as a co-worker someone that works with people you yeah. have people you work with that you know man i asked that person something she or he gets it yeah and so when you're giving them feedback you can you can reflect that in your feedback the person that doesn't get it, you can give them feedback so they know that there's a problem or that there's a potential issue. Yes, and a it lot might of be people pers- don't see it. Well, they don't see it, and they don't. You know, they have blinders on because no one wants to wants to say, "Oh yeah, I suck at doing this," or "I'm not that great at doing that." What they want to do is they want to say, "Oh yeah, everyone loves me," because that's the human human nature Absolutely. is uh, you want to be liked. You want, yeah. And so if we give you information that says, well, yeah, people generally like you, but you could be more cooperative or you could be more consistent in your approach to your day to day operations. That's the stuff that people need. And, and when you talk about the annual review component of any um, business, when you, when you're, when you're dealing with millennials, Mm -hmm. millennials don't, they don't. I always say this. They don't really want feedback. They need it. They've been raised on feedback. Mm-hmm. Everything's instantaneous. Everything, Everything. Communications with your friends. You know exactly who's going out, when they're meeting, how they're meeting, who's picking up who. We're going to take an Uber. We're gonna, we made a reservation online. We're so and, far ahead. Yeah, and, and after dinner, we're going to go on Yelp. We're going to do reviews. We're gonna, I mean, all these things, it's instant. It's not. Oh yeah, I did a Yelp review while I was eating the other day. So, but think about this. Think about going to any restaurant in on Long Island mm-hmm. and reviewing them a year from now. Doing an annual review of all the restaurants so of all the restaurants forward. you went to. It wouldn't be accurate. It wouldn't be genuine. And so the the human brain only remembers things accurately for about six to eight weeks before uh, after an event. Oh, wow. So if something happened in July and I'm talking to you about it, chances are it's going to be a decent discussion because yeah. it's still sort of fresh. If something happened last November, I'm going to be doing a lot of this. Well, you know, last November you were working on the Penske file. Mm-hmm. And do you remember like remember the team that you worked with and do you remember like going out to Chicago and and you're looking at me like, yeah, I remember going to Chicago. I remember working on that file. What's the problem? And as a manager, I'm trying to call together enough articulate informa- uh, information that I can articulate. And, and then the manager side of my brain takes over where I just start not making it up, but just kind of filling in the blanks. Yeah. Because I know it wasn't a good – I know what happened in Chicago wasn't good. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the specifics. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to assume that you screwed up some – you know, in some way some that way. if you did, you did. And if you didn't, you didn't. And you, 10 months removed from the event – Chances are you don't remember it all that accurately either. Yeah. And maybe it was the fact that you were working with Joe or Nancy or whoever else. Yeah. Or maybe it was just the fact that the client was tough. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I brought this to your attention in December, you could say, oh, yeah, you know, Noah, I got to be honest with you. That client, I mean, nothing I did was right. And they didn't like anything. And I proposed this and I, mm-hmm. I offered to do that. And all, and, but we could have a, an intelligent discussion in December. Mm-hmm. Remove that to September, and it's like you're you're also kind of like well, and then you get defensive, and you're like nah, I, you know I don't remember it being that bad. And what do you start? What do you start doing? What you start doing is what we were talking with your boss about finding you know new employees. Mm-hmm. You go to Indeed, you go to job boards, mm-hmm. and then you say you know I'm not dealing with Noah again. I'm not doing I'm not doing this again for another year. So yeah. you start looking, 
And when you start looking, I, I wrote a, um, I wrote an article for, for a company, uh, like a guest blogger. And, and the concept was the cumulative effect mm. of a departing employee. So if you're mad or you're disappointed, it's not even mad. It's disappointed in the process. Yeah. And you decide to go look for another job. You're on a team of six, seven people. And six, seven other people see what you're doing. Mm -hmm. No matter how covert you're doing it, people know, oh, he called in sick, but he looks fine because you're on an interview. Yeah. You got two or three people on that team that are probably like, well, if Harrison's looking around... I mean, especially if you're like an upper guy and you and you're time. liked and you're and you're generally a good guy, a mm -hmm. good employee, a good coworker. Suddenly they think, well, OK, and then you leave and you go work for X, Y, Z Corp. Mm -hmm. The two or three people that were interested in you looking around, mm -hmm. they start texting you. Hey, is X, Y, Z Corp hiring? You know, I agree with you. This place kind of has its problems. Any chance, you know, you could slip mm -hmm. my resume to whoever hired you. And so those two or three people aren't working that efficiently. Out of six or seven people, you've already left. So that means there's six left. And then two or three people are asking you for jobs and looking for other jobs. Mm -hmm. So now out of a seven-person team, you have three people that are actually working. So mm -hmm. what happens with those three people? Those three people are doing the work of seven people. How happy do you think those three people are going to be? Dive bombs. And you know what, ev you know what never happens in, in business? And as I, I own my own law firm for a while. I manage a law firm, and, and now um, I run Ripple. When you lose an employee, this is the thing that will never happen. A manager or an owner of a company never goes, hey, listen, Harrison, you know, Joe and Nancy left. They were making 100 grand a year. What we're going to do is until we replace them, we're going to split their $200,000 of cumulative salary in between the five remaining people on their team. So I know you guys are going to be working harder, but we're going to pay you more until mm -hmm. we fill their spots. That never happens. Never ever happens. That'd be so smart, though. Now right? That you mentioned it. It, it would be it would Holy be brilliant. Crap. But managers see that as a problem because then when they hire someone to fill the spot of Joe, Nancy, or whoever, mm -hmm. they have, then have to go to you and say, "Okay, well, now you're not making the twenty twenty five thousand dollars extra because we just filled the spot." And I think what what the the human brain shuts down when when you lose a key person to your team. The questions that go around your head are always why they leave, where they go, and how much are they making. And in that order, by the way, 76% of people leave their current jobs for non-financial reasons. Mm -hmm. So why, where, and how much? Mm -hmm. How much being the last? Because generally, and millennials off the charts, yeah, if I leave, I don't, I don't care about the money. I care about the culture. I care about the workplace experience. It's as huge. long as if I'm making X and I can make X somewhere else, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about culture meaning like beanbag chairs and ping pong tables. No, just being happy at work. Exactly. It doesn't Cult, culture can be defined a thousand ways. Mm -hmm. what, how I define culture and, you know, having run businesses, managed businesses, worked at businesses for 24 years – Culture is what percentage of your employee base buys into the goals of the company. That's culture. Because you can, mm -hmm. you, can, you can sit in a cinder block warehouse, and if everyone loves the mission, loves what you're trying to accomplish, it doesn't matter if you have standing desks, beanbag chairs, free coffee, free beer on Thursdays. All that stuff is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. What's relevant is, do I want to work with Harrison? Do yes. I want to work with Jason? Do I want to work with Nancy? Do I want to work with Joe? Because if I do, then we're all kind of tied together. Mm -hmm. And if I'm a jerk, 
that's going to impact Joe, Nancy, Jason, Harrison. Big time. I don't want because I don't want them being negative in, in, negatively impacted by me because I don't want to be negatively impacted by them. Yes. And so you grow this this and and I I know it sounds sort of kumbaya ish, but you you grow culture from top down. Yeah. Culture isn't something you don't hire your junior guy and say, okay, breed culture, go go for it. No, you know, you need leaders. You if you don't have if your boss doesn't understand the importance of culture. That lack of attention to culture seeps down. You need leaders, exactly. Oh, and 100%. leaders, leaders aren't people that tell you to follow them. Mm-hmm. Leaders are people that people want to follow. Yes, but I mean, there's a to follow them. huge difference mm-hmm. because in in day to day stuff, leaders are important. On the global aspects of stuff, that's where leaders shine. Yes. Leaders, if you follow me because you know you want to go where I'm leading you, that's a totally different exercise than yep. me signing your paycheck and saying, I'm going here. If you don't want to come with me, get off this bus. Mm-hmm. That's not a leader. That's an owner. Yes. The difference between an owner this and a leader. This is where we're going, and I invite you to come along. Do you want to come? And yeah. if you don't want to come, the, the discussions that are going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years down the line is, listen, I'm paying you whatever, and I'm paying you whatever anybody else is going to pay you. Mm-hmm. So take compensation out of it. Do you want to go where I'm going? And, and that, that, that discussion should be happening now. It should have happened 10, 15, 20 years ago. But when millennials start to take management and executive roles within companies – it's going to be like this is what I'm. This is what I want to do. Follow me. Like this is. I, I have this this vision, and if you don't like it, tell me why. Mm-hmm. Explain to me why it's wrong. Yes. And if you do like it, get on board. Let's go. It's it's far too common that you have, and I, and I've seen it where you have somebody in a company, a leader, and it doesn't have to be the owner. No, it could be a manager. It could just be another coworker who just everybody wants to be with and he's like look we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this and we're gonna crush everything whatever it is everybody's all fired up and loves him and if that person leaves that person could go scrub toilet could start a toilet scrubbing business 100 percent. and every single one of those people yeah unless they physically Where do I sign up? cannot do it will go like it's crazy i've seen it companies drained of half the company because one or two people decided hey we're gonna go off and do our own thing and you guys are all welcome to come. You're probably not going to make as much money, but we're going to grow an even better company. And you're all welcome to join. So I know a guy that was at a law firm, and um, he was done. He was sick of working at this law firm. And he started his own uh, firm. And he was kind of the glue that held the firm together. Mm-hmm. Mid-sized firm. Great guy. Um, good attorney. And he left. Mm-hmm. And that firm had... Tons of clients, tons of work, but no one to act as the person that kind of united people, mm-hmm. who talked to people, everybody, all walks of life, from the most junior person to the owners of the company, uh, the firm. And within 14 months after he left, the firm dissolved. That's now, crazy. it could be coincidence, could be, you know, but when you look at culture, when you look at a person who has a positive impact mm-hmm. in the workplace environment, that person is worth, I mean, whatever you're paying him or her, <laughs> a lot more. Oh, yeah. Because that person makes other people want to come to work. And if you have that kind of influence 
uh, from any employee, Mm -hmm. that's something that is immeasurably important. And and companies companies succeed, not necessarily fail, but succeed and are more productive and are more um, efficient and nicer places to work. You know, like you can't you you can't. you can't go by a – I was going to say newsstand, but I think that's an antiquated term. You see these magazines that say best places to work. Yes. You see emails that get fired Glassdoor. out. Glassdoor is a great – Glassdoor is a perfect example. So Glassdoor I – I, I spoke with their head of business development. I can't remember his name, but at the time, great guy, a couple of years ago. At Glassdoor? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because I was trying to get Ripple in uh, uh-huh. to Glassdoor because Ripple is all about Glassdoor. Ripple is showing, you know, tearing the Band-Aid Can off. you explain what Glassdoor is? Because I know that somebody's going to listen and be like, what the fuck right. are they talking so about? So Glassdoor is, well, it's a job listing site, but it's more of an open forum for employees to reflect on their workplace experience and give feedback to everyone. So I work at ExxonMobil mm-hmm. and... I think it's great. So I'm going to say, you know, some anonymized name, you know, NP or, you know, whatever it is, XYZ. You, you don't have to have your name attached to it. I yeah. don't think they, I don't think you're allowed to have your name attached to it. So it's this anonymous, which Ripple, by the way, is as well. We, we don't, your name isn't attached to any given feedback. Mm-hmm. Your perceptions are combined with your coworkers to give another coworker their feedback. Um, and so Glassdoor says, if this place is great to work, I want to tell everyone it's great to work yes. at. If it stinks to work at, I want to tell everyone who might be thinking about applying to this company mm-hmm. that the place stinks mm-hmm. and there's no culture and there's negative energy and if I could quit tomorrow, I would, but I need the paycheck, that kind of thing. Yeah. So Glassdoor has two components. One is the is the um, critical analysis of the workplace mm-hmm. and then two it's a it's a job listing board so you yeah. can find jobs and and you can see the reviews mm-hmm. so it's it's not dissimilar to yelp where if you're thinking about going somewhere you go on along the same and you see oh okay four and a half stars out of five cool or 2.3 star uh, 2.5 stars out of five yeah I, if i'm gonna if i'm gonna spend 100 bucks on dinner i'm probably not gonna go there because yep. it's a waste of money so Glassdoor, i was talking to the business uh, head of business development and I basically asked him one question. I said, is Glassdoor a forum for people to complain or is it a forum for employers to know how their employees view their workplace experience? Is it to educate the employers mm-hmm. or is it to give a, you know, an open forum for disgruntled employees yeah. to complain about their employers? And he said, absolutely it's to educate employers. Mm-hmm. It's to educate employers to know that what they do, the policies they enact, the procedures that they implement has an impact on all of their employees. And that's cool because yeah. that's what Ripple's about. Ripple isn't about saying, Harrison, you suck. You're a 1.8 out of 5. It's saying, Harrison, if you happen to be a 1.8, that means you're negatively impacting everyone. Yeah. So try to be a 2. And then once you're a 2, try to be a 2.2. And then try to be a 2.5, a 2.8, 3.1. Mm-hmm. And eventually, maybe you get to a 3.4, 3.5. But it's not, it's not to tell employers, Harrison's a 1.8, fire him. It's to figure out why he's a 1.8, why he's negatively impacting people. Co- and coach him up. And figure it out. 
Mm-hmm. Assess and develop. That's what we're all about. Yeah, if they're and coming so, to work, they still want to be there. Well, okay, so it, it's interesting. So I, I have this, um, I call it the 20-60-20 split. So out of 100 employees, you're going to have 20 employees that are rock stars. They get it. They get strong work out of ethic. Employees. Yep. Okay. So you got twenty percent that are going to be self starters, self motivated. You're never really going to have to tell them the importance of doing their job right. Mm-hmm. You're never generally going to have to say, "Hey, you know, hours are nine to five. You kind of get here at eleven fifteen all the time." You yeah. don't have to do that with those twenty percent. Yeah. And then you got twenty percent clock, clock punchers. The twenty yeah. percent at the bottom. Who say, I need this job. I don't like my job. I don't like the people I work with. I actually don't even like really much of anything about my job, but I need my paycheck every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's the bottom 20%. It's the 60% in the middle, 60 mm-hmm. employees out of a 100-employee company. Where are they going? Are they gravitating down to the clock punchers? Mm-hmm. Are those the people that are being negatively influenced by the clock punchers? Or are they elevating themselves up? to the top 20%. And the top 20% are the go-getters and the self-motivated people and, and, the, and the strong work ethic and mm-hmm. the people that promote the culture of a company. If you get 60% of your employees, if you can get half of them, in a perfect world, you'd get 59 of the 60. Mm-hmm. But if you can get 30, maybe 32, 34 of those employees to, to elevate up, yeah. your productivity is off the charts. I mean, Gallup came out with a poll where Gallup Gallup polling Gallup, they they do um, polling analytics. They ask questions and they tell you that 50 percent of the people in the world are happy with their lives. 50 percent are not Um, in this in this uh, poll in 2006. It was about um, employment engagement, Mm -hmm. employment. They're 30 percent of the domestic workforce is engaged in the in the workplace 30%. So you've got 70% meaning they're act they 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 care. Oh, they they yeah. work hard because they know that what they do makes a difference. Mm-hmm. They interact with clients. They they're um, promoting the goals of the company. Yeah. 30%. So you've got 70% that aren't engaged. That's so crazy. It's crazy. And so if you look at that and if there's if there's a if there's a a process that you can implement that can change the 70% of non-engaged employees and even if you move it a tick even if you move it to 34% are act are engaged yeah. if you have 34% that are engaged think about the productivity if you you've got a productive company anyway and you only have 30% that are engaged if you can increase that by 10% Three oh, people, the four people. You, you're going to be more productive, and so the whole, the whole concept of of, of employee engagement, employee feedback, mm-hmm. you know, real time um, uh, data collection. We've combined that to make it so that it's it's an easy process to give feedback to the people you work with. Yeah, and with the end goal being, <laughs> the end goal when Derek and I started the company. It, it was really simple. It was you take your work home with you, right? Mm-hmm. Most people take their work home with them, meaning if you're happy at work, you go home, you see your friends, you, you bartend last night, you see everybody you know, um, you see your uh, significant other, you see your nephews, your brothers, your sisters, your parents, you're going to be happier. Yeah. And if you're negative, if you hate your job, if you, you know, you're a 20% clock puncher, mm-hmm. in the end, that also comes home with you. And so you're negative when you interact with your friends last night mm-hmm. or when you hang out with your significant other or when you hang out with your um, brothers, sisters, parents. We, 
you you showed me when you picked up your phone. Mm-hmm. This thing connects all of us all the time. Oh, it's the devil. Work, work. It's great, and it's know, the worst thing in the world. The the technology we have, unfortunately, has created an environment where you're never truly divorced from work. You're you, you don't really never. yeah. And so if that's Unless the you're case, a construction worker, and and even then, you're still looking up things to make your life easier. For that's the most exactly part. right. And you're still looking up the train schedule, and you're still looking up Yelp, and you're still looking up you know all your emails all long. day long. And so, if we can increase your work experience a little bit, so that if you do have an email at nine o'clock on a Monday night that you have to respond to, you know that it's because you know Harrison's sick, or you know Harrison's wife just had a baby, or whatever situation might happen in life where it's a human event. You know, I mean, one of the things that we we stress uh, at Ripple is is the concept of, you know, there's all these different terms for employees, right? There, you, you have um, human capital is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like when you're descri- when you're HCM, when you're defining, right? yeah. Well, HCM is, is our platforms to yeah, yeah. to manage your your human capital. Mm-hmm. Human capital is an employee. Yeah. Like 25 years ago, everyone was an employee. Now it's you know uh, you have talent. Mm-hmm. You can also talk to about, you know, you've got people here and, oh, she, she falls into the strong talent pool or the weak talent pool. Talent. So that's an employee. Um, and then the old, you know, worker, coworker, employee, coworker, talent, human capital. What, what I tell people all the time is the people that work for you or work with you are human beings. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they're not robots. And so if you want them to be happier, you have to give them the tools and show them that you've invested in trying to make them happy. Mm-hmm. And happy is not, again, I, I love the beanbag chairs and, and ping pong table analogy because Won't even make most it, it, it doesn't, yeah, that doesn't matter. What makes people happy is knowing that when I have to call in sick for a real reason, mm-hmm. Harrison's not talking to other people about me and taking time off. Mm-hmm. You know, if I get my, my father's in the hospital and I need to take a couple of days off, the five or six other people on my team recognize that I'm a good guy. Yeah. And if I have to take some time off, it's because I have to take some time off. Yeah. And by the way, in two years when you have to do the same thing, it, it's, it, it, there's not a negative energy around it. Mm-hmm. And so what we say is, is we tell, I tell prospective clients all the time, you're investing in your people. Mm-hmm show them you're investing in your people. And if you're not investing in your people, if you're an organization that doesn't believe investing in your people is is worth it or productive or profitable, I I honestly I have no desire to work with you. Yeah. I mean, it's not about I mean, certainly it's about revenue. You want to make money. Of course. But if I know you you shared the example, I think when we were talking before going on air about the potential client that's going to pay you 20, 30 bucks a month. Yeah. If you know that client isn't invested in the relationship that they want to have you on board, mm-hmm. and yeah, you might, you know, you, you, they're going to pay you 20, 30 bucks a month, but they're going to be a normal client. That's great. Yeah. If I know that a 20 or $30 a month client is going to charge me in terms of emotional capital, you know, mental capital, mm-hmm. <laughs> if they're going to charge me a thousand bucks a month, I don't want their $30 a month. So no, if you absolutely. so if there's a company out there that says they value their employees, they value their mm-hmm. their human capital and they don't want to invest in it and I have to convince them to invest in it, chances are I don't want to work with that mm-hmm. company. And and I would much prefer to find out early on in that relationship yeah. that that's not the case. Absolutely. Yeah, or that is the case. And and so that's that's what I do. And it's um 
it's been really interesting. You know, we're, I told you we're coming up on our three-year um, anniversary. We incorporated in October 2014. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got a bunch of companies using us. And now it's just a question of getting the, the, the message out that it's okay to break from the status quo. Yeah. I know you've done annual reviews. I was a lawyer for 16 years. Doing annual reviews, especially in the legal community, mm-hmm. it's it's what everyone does. They've always done it. Yeah. So why would we change? The reason you change is because if a process isn't effective, then you shouldn't be implementing that process. Yes. We 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 built out a um a whiteboard summary video uh, a few weeks a few months ago, and one of the one of the screens is just slides is explaining. That, you know, saying that you do something because you've always done it is is a lazy excuse for doing something, you know? I mean, I didn't ride my horse here today. Yeah. I, I don't have a beeper on on my belt, and I haven't used a fax machine in 15 years. Yeah. All of that stuff is from yesterday. Mm-hmm. Implement stuff that works today based oh, on the absolutely. technology that exists. And I'm sure you know Based on, I'm sure, trying to upgrade systems where people are married to their old system. I've had a lady say to me, you know, if our system goes down, we'll just go back to pen and paper. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, thank you so much for saving me this whole conversation. Yeah. Because if you're willing to do that and let your business crumble. Check, please. Yep. Totally. Look, when you're ready to move to the 21st century, let me know. And we'll chances are, out. chances are that person is not going to ever be ready nope. to move to the 21st century. Nope. I, uh, I've, I've had the pleasure of speaking with a lot of companies that get it. I've had the, um, the pleasure of also dealing with companies that don't get it, because when you talk to a company with a Long Island company, 70 employees, and they do their annual review by handwriting um, comments about their coworkers. And then those handwritten comments are taken by managers and they're implement they're they're uh, they're typed in to an Excel spreadsheet mm-hmm. um, by some admins. And then the managers look at the results and they do their annual review based on those results. And so I asked a couple of questions. One, um, who handwrites anything anymore? I don't and, even think most people can read my handwriting. And that's my second comment. I said, <laughs> "And who? Where's the? Where's the error, um, uh, Governor? Like, how, how do you know if I think Harrison wrote this word and I put it into the system as an admin, and he actually meant a different word? Who catches that? <clears throat> if, mm-hmm. if there's hundred percent, and and the third question I asked was, so what do you do with it? Like how do you? Uh, so you're not you're, you're you're you told me that you have an automated process, but really what it is is you're telling an admin to insert responses to questions into wasting an Excel spreadsheet, time. <laughs> wasting the admin's time, Hours. wasting the person that filled out the handwriting, the handwritten exercise time, mm-hmm. wasting the manager's time, and then uh, of course as it flows up, wasting the owner's time. Mm-hmm. And if you're wasting all that time on a process that doesn't work. So my, 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 my final question is always, so when, you know, the third question is, what do you do with it? 
And they say, well, you know, we look at it and then we have our annual review. And I said, okay, well, when's the last time you compared 2016 numbers to 2015 numbers and 2014 numbers and 2013 numbers? You've been around, this company's been around for 30 years. And they said, well, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, it's only relevant if you have something to compare it to. It's only 2016 numbers. Harrison's a 99 out of 100. That's great. And if he was a 98 out of 100 for 2015, if he was a 99 out of 100 for 2014, he was a 95 out of 100 for 2013, he was 97 out of 100, that's great. That means Harrison, he's probably on your leadership track. He's on, yeah. he's somebody you want to – but if Harrison's a 99 in 2016 and he's a 90 in 2015, and he's an 82 in 2014, and he's a 71 in 2013, and he's a 60 in 2012, and his manager was appointed manager in 2012, and from 2012 he's gone up. Consistently, you know exactly. What you know the manager's a rock star. You know that Harrison's on his right track. But if the numbers are reversed, mm-hmm. and Harrison's a sixty in 2016, and he was a seventy-two in 2015, and he was a seventy-eight in 2014, and he was an eighty-five in 2013, and you had a manager that was appointed in 2012 when Harrison was a ninety-two. And the manager was was was, um, was appointed, promoted in 2012, and the numbers went way down. That's when you can compare data. That's when you can say, you know what? Harrison used to be a rock star. He was a 92. And since Noah was appointed manager, he's gone way down. Mm-hmm. So maybe we got a problem with Noah, and we got a problem with how Harrison reacts with Noah. And then you look at the whole team. So maybe eight of the nine um, – teammates that were under Noah's management mm-hmm. increased their score over the same time. But if you can't compare the data and you have an Excel spreadsheet that no one looks at ever again, ever, ever again, if you're not going to look at it, then why do it? And if you're not going to have something that you can analytically, you know, when you can do something that's analytically re- relevant, why waste the time? Mm-hmm. Why, you know, I mean, a lot of companies, Accenture, um, Goldman Sachs, GE, they got rid of their annual review because the the, the owners, the C-suite people in, that, in those companies said, what the hell are we doing? We're spending all this time and money and effort into this process, but there's no bang for your buck. There's no ROI. There's, yeah. no, there's no net benefit of doing it. So why do it? Mm-hmm. And the answer was for a few forward-thinking companies, screw it. We're not going to do it anymore. And if you can convince me to do something else, fine. It doesn't mean we don't do assessment and development of our employees. Mm-hmm. But if the system we currently use hasn't worked for years and we all hate it, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it? Yeah. And that's what we're trying to get away from. So, Absolutely. No, yeah. it's, it's, it's incredible. And now that you lay it out like that and you can really see like all the data and stuff like that, the, the, the real valid points of it all is pretty incredible. But now my next question is because – a lot of these companies, yes, they work in the yearly review, and that's usually the time at which employees get their their a raise. Yep. So now the flip question is, what are those companies doing to help compensate the employees? Right. So another reason that the annual review process is is irreparably broken mm-hmm. from a you know if you're going to do it annually is that ninety percent of the time you tie it to compensation. So all the anxiety of giving, you know, getting information about your last 12 months, whether you've done a good job, bad job, or something somewhere in between, is now you 
push on the whole compensation issue. Mm-hmm. So the anxiety that already existed, because you want to know how great of an employee you are or how mediocre of an employee you are, mm-hmm. is now exacerbated by the fact that you have your, you know, your salary is going to be impacted by the annual review. Mm-hmm. So we are firm believers. Ripple believe. I mean, we're not we're not saying that you should have compensation discussions every month. Or every two weeks when new information comes into the dashboard, mm-hmm. you should be like, oh, Harrison, now you're worth X amount per year instead of two weeks ago when you were worth Y amount mm-hmm. per year. Yeah. But you should divorce those two. You should separate those two experiences. You should mm-hmm. have the annual um, compensation discussion once a year, and it's based on, among other things, productivity mm-hmm. and your impact in the workplace and how negative or positive you've been and, and what kind of um, effect – you know, we, we your score in the Ripple system is called your Ripple Effect Score, meaning that everything you do on a day to day basis has a has an impact or an effect on the people that you um, are surrounded by. And so, when you do the compensation discussion at the same time you do the annual review, the anxiety tremendous. is tremendous. As opposed to, okay, this year we had a great year fiscally. You know, we're we're killing it. We've grown 25% over last year. We've expanded. We've thought about building uh, building a new building or buying the current building we're in, all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and you, you did a good job. And we can see from your ripple effect score that you have a positive impact on your employees. Everything's going great. This is your salary. Mm-hmm. Now, I've already had six, seven, nine, ten discussions with you <clears throat> throughout the year based on your ripple effect score. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down for your compensation discussion, the um, – the anticipation, right? The 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 mental approach to what that compensation discussion is going to be about mm-hmm. has been largely managed mm-hmm. because you've looked at your dashboard every couple of weeks. You've seen, you know, out of a five, you're at two point one, yeah, and you're consistently not being a very productive or positive impact in the workplace. Well, when I sit down with you for your annual compensation discussion. You have a general idea. You know what's going on. Yeah. As opposed to coming out of left field. Yeah. Coming out of left field, me telling you, yeah, you know, um, you really got to work better on these areas and you got a 2% raise. Mm -hmm. Now, it it flips the other way. And some of the owners of companies I've talked to will get concerned about, okay, but Harrison's going to also come in sometimes and he's going to see he's a 4.5 out of 5. And I'm going to tell him, you know, we we didn't have a great year. So I know you're a 4.5. I'm the owner talking to you. Yeah. You're an important person in our company. We need you to stick with us. And I get I get you probably want a five, six, seven percent raise. I can only give you two percent. But I'm telling you right now that no one's getting over two percent. And I can tell you because you know what your dashboard is. And as a, I, me as manager, the the management of expectations has largely been accomplished because I know I can't tell you that you sucked for the last 12 months mm-hmm. when I talked to you about your compensation mm-hmm. because I can see your numbers don't suck. Yeah. So I have to be, I have to be um, above board and I have to tell you, yeah, this is what's going on. We didn't have a great year. Next year, we've got these five clients lined up. With your help, we're going to crush it. And you know, when we talk about compensation next year, it'll be a totally different conversation. But right now, we need you to – or flip side – Mm-hmm. is we had a great financial year. We had a gr- we crushed it last year. Mm-hmm. And guess what? You're in 1.9. And I like you. You seem like a nice enough guy. Our company has no room 
for someone that can't be a more positive influence on his or her coworkers. Mm -hmm. So get with the program. And I can have that discussion with you. And you, you know, uh, oftentimes with the annual review, you get these guys. I mean, I did them. I did them at the firm I uh, managed uh, before I started my own firm. And I had discussions with people that would walk in and they thought they were entitled to 10% raise, $25,000 bonus. And I'm looking at them like, are you kidding me? Like, you... I mean, have you been the same company that I've been at for the last 12 months? Mm-hmm. No way. And so what Ripple does is it, it manages expectations because that guy's never going to come in thinking he's entitled to anything. Yeah. He's going to come in saying, listen, I know my score was this, and I'm going to work my butt off over the next six months to show you that I'm not a 1.9. I'm yeah. at least a 3.0, and yeah. hopefully over so time. we in a couple months. Yeah, yep. and, and, show, and I'll show you, and I want to talk to you in two months. I want to talk to you in four months. And as a manager, if I'm, if I'm investing my time in an annual discussion with you, I should invest two, three minutes every few months to say, hey, saw you ticked up a little bit on your dashboard. Good job, man. Mm-hmm. Or saw you di- dove a little bit. What's going on? Because yeah. those are the actionable events. Those are the events that, that mean things to people. Yeah. And when you tell me, yeah, my dad's been in the hospital for a couple of days, and that's you know it's been it's been tough. Yeah, it empowers me as a manager to say, hey man, you need to take a few days off. Yeah, Go oh big time, take a few days 100%. off, hundred percent, because that makes you a human being, not an employee. And that person's productivity level, when they come back, loyalty. The loyalty the level roof. is through it's the through roof. Through the roof. When they're talking over coffee in the morning and someone complains about something, the person that I gave three days off to hang out with his dad and see how he's, he's gonna doing is going to say, right I don't agree. Yep. I think Noah's great. I think Noah sees it and understands what's going on, and I'd walk through walls for that guy. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Yep. And it's not and – and again, <clears throat> excuse me, it's not – it's not for the sake of me getting the glory at that, com- at that coffee discussion. Nope. It's real. Mm-hmm. I know that it's more important for you to be with your dad for three days in the hospital mm-hmm. than it is for you to be working on some file. Mm-hmm. I'd rather reassign that to somebody else and know that when you come back and your dad's out of the hospital, you're going to repay me whether you know it or not. Because Tenfold. Yeah. Yep. Because you're going to appreciate the fact that I invested in you as a person. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I like this guy, and I want him to be here in 15 years, and I want him to run that team in five years. And in order to do that, he's got to get through the short-term issues that might exist, mm-hmm. and whatever those issues might be. Yep. There's, a, there's a laundry list of what those issues could be. Mm-hmm. But at least know when I see a tick in, uh, of change in your scoring and when I look at your dashboard, yeah. hey, Is man, relatable everything okay? Yeah. And it might be your dad in the hospital. It might also be that we just promoted Julie as manager of your team. And then I look at all the other teammates, uh, your, your other teammates, and I see their scores. And I say, man, all the scores went down since Julie was promoted. So there's two things that could be happening. Two, generally two things that could be happening. Well, I was going to say it's There could be a million things that are happening. But yep. two, one, Julie's not an effective manager. Mm-hmm. Or two, Julie's a super effective manager. And the team can't keep up. Can't keep up. Mm-hmm. And is used to the status quo of Julie, not, their manager, not <laughs> expecting anything from them, mm-hmm. not pushing them, and then suddenly Julie's a go-getter. Julie comes in and says, "No, Harrison, you got to do this. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing right. We got to promote this. We got to, you know, get dis- discard that." And working with you, and they don't like it, so they're pushing back, mm-hmm. and that means they're having a negative experience. That doesn't mean Julie's a bad manager. It means that there's a there's a change. She just might not be the manager for that team, or or. <laughs> That team, that team might not be the team for, for the company. Yep. Yeah. And it's, so it could be so many things. And so but but it, what it does is 
the scoring and the surveys and the feedback, they they give um, they promote communication. Mm-hmm. They promote discussions. Yeah. They promote the concept of is everything going okay? And if it's going okay, great. Pat, you know the, the, what's been largely um, lost is the recognition for doing something good. You know, I mean, far too often. It, it, yeah, if you're a four point five, awesome. Mm-hmm. And what'd you do to be a 4.5? And does Harrison have certain traits, certain personality traits that would make him an effective manager? Or maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. not an effective manager, but, but let's let's bring him in when we onboard new um, employees. When we onboard new talent, we want Harrison involved because he he kills it. Yeah, gets them all Everyone fired loves, up. And, yeah. Yep. And so use Harrison in a way that is the most effective and, and is going to make Harrison the happiest in the workplace. I think that's... Far too often, because I deal with a lot of different businesses, yep. and usually CEOs, that C-section of of the company, and far too often do I see misplaced talent, and it's so disheartening. Yeah. I mean, like, to the point where I feel bad for people, because I'm like, you have a rock star of a, of a leader on your team, and you're not giving him the opportunity to shine. Right. And not only is that kind of, take, take work home. It's going to destroy his life because he can't shine, but you're ruining your company because he's going to eventually flip to the disgruntled employee. Yep, and and think about the and think about the um, the cost from a manager's perspective mm-hmm. dealing with that employee, the employee dealing with the manager, the other teammates dealing with that employee, the other teammates dealing with the manager, the manager then having. Um, a less positive impact on the co the other managers in in his company or her company, and then that always will impact how the owners and the C suite people look at the management of the company. So mm-hmm. the 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 impact, the ripple effect of of a negative charge okay, put that is just effect. yeah, it's <laughs> just as important as the as the ripple effect of a positive charge. Absolutely. If you have someone that's killing it and someone that's doing absolutely above and beyond what they're supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. recognize that person. Yeah, absolutely. it might cost you short term. It might, you know, here's a gift certificate for three hundred bucks to some restaurant. Go take go take some friends out and have fun. Mm-hmm. That is nothing compared to the cost of losing a good employee who says, you know what, I'm out of here. The 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 culture sucks. I never realized I, how much Losing an employee or hiring an employee costs it's, a company. It's a lot of money. It can be. It can be. Um, I don't. I, I've never experienced a two hundred percent. But there was. I was going to say it's I've fifty to two hundred percent. Fifty to two hundred percent of the salary. Yep. Fifty percent. I got. I. 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 I don't have a problem with that at all. Fifty yep. percent sounds about normal. Sixty, seventy percent. Okay. Hundred percent is pretty shocking. If it costs you two hundred percent, and now part of that, and that's just the economics. Mm-hmm. It's not the as I said the the before my my guest blog the cumulative effect yeah, yeah, yeah. of people leaving that doesn't take into consideration other people on the team that left other yeah, you know it costs you so much money a ton and so if people yeah, two hundred plus easy and so if people realize that then you invest more short term mm-hmm. so that long term yeah you're you're not gonna ever have one hundred percent retention right you're gonna have people that leave it's impossible you know people that move you know people that get married they move away or somebody you know you're making hundred grand here and someone offers you two hundred fifty grand somewhere else you're going yeah but those are the exceptions not the rule mm-hmm. and so what we do is we you know we made a software system for the rule for the majority of people 
And when you have someone that leaves because of stuff that you can't control, that's okay. Yeah. At least if they're leaving, a bad person. At least if they're leaving, they're not leaving and On punching and punching the company in the face as they walk out the door mm-hmm. and giving them a black eye. Yep. You know, you want them to leave saying, "Yeah, the reason I left is, you know, I had this tremendous opportunity, yep. and you know, I, I I had to take it." Yeah, I had to. I had to take it. It was too good to pass up. Exactly, and that happens. It happens. And you can't blame anybody for it, but it's rare. Yes. It's not the majority of people leave jobs not because they've had some offer that they can't turn down. The majority of people leave jobs because they people quit managers. People don't quit jobs. Mm-hmm. People quit the people that they work for. I've done it. Yeah, I. I mean, everyone has. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody on the planet that probably. I has started it. my firm. I started my own firm based on the owner of my old firm. Mm-hmm. I quit him. I didn't quit. I I, I loved the people that I worked with. Yeah. I didn't quit. I didn't quit anything other than working for him. Mm-hmm. And when you have that. That generally means you've got culture that's lacking mm-hmm. quite a bit. Comes from top down. Yeah, people don't see it, man. Yeah. So, like, like when when I meet when I met you a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. I generally, I mean, I, I've always been social. I, I I can tell from go. And when mm-hmm. we were when we were talking with um, Adam, and Adam, yeah, and when we were talking to Adam and. And Adam's like, oh, you got to meet Harrison. Mm-hmm. And we're just, we're, we're, we'd never met before. And we're yeah. just shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about life. Yep. And when you talk to someone and you have a situation where there's business concerns, like business was not even remotely in the forefront of our discussion. No, not It at was, all. oh, yeah, you're going to love this guy. He's a funny guy. Yeah. And we had fun. Yep. Um, and so when, when, when you look at the importance of, personality um when it comes to that kind of an event mm-hmm. where we're just talking personality goes a long way right every deal in the world has been closed on personality people buy part. from people people yep. want to know that oh you're selling it that's fine but you're selling it and you believe in it okay that's cool yep. but who are you and well, do i, I like why you I spend 10 times more money on a fucking yeti product that's exactly right because <laughs> not because they're marketing. They're marketing. I don't think they're marketing spectacular at all. I just think they make a ridiculous product and they support people that I really enjoy. Yep. People buy from people. Yep. I think they support people I like. I'm in. Yep. And when you have a product that works, and you can put you know ice water in that thing and put it in your car for a week, and you still have cold I water. Had ice for two days in there. Not yeah. a plug for them, but it yeah. was. I woke up and I, I've after heard. two days, and I was like, I still have ice in this. This is like insanity. Right. So, but it also begs the question. So you're buying. Yeah. But it begs the question, I mean, when's the last time I needed ice in my thermos for two days? Oh, never. Uh, right. So, Almost never. So, so what they've done is they've built a brand on this cool concept, but like with the, with the, the soft coolers, mm-hmm. a buddy of mine was telling me that he went to a tailgate mm-hmm. and put some beer in and, and you know, five days later there was still beer and ice in the, in, in the, in the soft cooler. And I looked at him and I said, uh, well, didn't you take the beer out at the end of the tailgate and put it in your fridge? And he goes, yeah, no, I forgot. But <laughs> the point is... All the time. That it, that, it, that it's All cold and I it works. To, I used to drive around with it. But you don't need it. No, no. But you buy it. Absolutely. 100%. I used to drive around with a Yeti um, in the back of my car full of beer all the time, <laughs> loaded with ice. And you never know when you're going to need an emergency beer. Hey. But um, the... Uh, Somebody asked me, like, when was the last time you put ice in your cooler? And I was like, I don't even remember. So if you tell me you bought the Yeti uh-huh. and you save, I don't know, throw a number out, 50 bucks in ice mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. 
that's fine. That's a smart consumer. I got yes. no problem with that. Yes. But if you're telling me you bought a Yeti because if I wanted to, I could keep ice in my cooler for a week after a tailgate, mm-hmm. but I go to two tail- tailgates a year, yeah. that's, 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 a, that's a consumer that's bought into the brand. Yes. So kudos. I mean, kudos to Yeti. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not knocking them at all. God bless. But they pitch a product that very few of us actually need. The guys that go on hunting expeditions 100%. in Montana where they go away for two weeks and they need, I get it. And I'd pay a thousand bucks for a cooler if I'm going to be able to have ice for, you know, week. two weeks yeah. or a week or whatever. Yeah. But when I'm driving to work and I've got an iced coffee and it stays cold for uh, an hour and a half, I mean, I, what'd that thing run you? 50 bucks? Yeah, 50 bucks. Yeah. On the dot. So <laughs> I, don't the dot. Need, I, don't, I don't need that. I got an ice machine. No. And I'm a machine in my in my house. There's ice. We live. <laughs> thankfully, we live in a world that's so readily available to have ice everywhere. It's just funny. But I, per, I, I think it's. I just think it's amazing. Like I've had coffee. I've forgotten about it. Hot coffee. Hot coffee. Yeah. In the morning, forgotten about it. Next day, it's hot. It's like still warm. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so happy because now I get to drink warm coffee. That's. I don't care if it's a day old. That doesn't yeah, yeah, bother yeah. me. But I'm like, I had ice in here, and I was like, holy shit! I still have ice in here. I'm like. I didn't have it's it, it's funny because I was just it happened to be that I didn't have a chance to go get more ice for it and I'm like oh, that means all my drinks today are going to be cold like I was so happy right and then what t- what happens you tell a friend and they tell a friend and they tell a friend 100%. and you get a thousand consumers yep. and that's and and again God bless Yeti that that's what yep. what we want to do is we want to get in with companies and then they say yeah you guys still do the annual review what are you crazy mm-hmm. you got to use this it's product. coming. You got to use this product, mm-hmm. and you got to you got to talk to Noah. Noah will set you up, and he'll you know show you how antiquated and unproductive and inefficient your current process is. And you know what? If I can keep <laughs> coffee warm for a day, great. If I can yep. keep coffee uh, or ice water cold yeah. for a week, for ninety percent of the people, it's not a product element. That's exactly right. But it's it it really is. It's it's. It's amazing to see, and to bring it back to like the work stuff and give her to the Yeti, but it's amazing to see like where where we've come, and it's we're, nobody's a robot anymore. And I actually just watched a crazy video the other day on I forget what what social media platform, and it was this super successful guy, and he goes, "I get it. I get that there's people afraid that they're going to lose their jobs, but there's going to be other jobs that open." There's never going to be a shortage of jobs. And what I think is crazy is wouldn't we all like to not work? Like, isn't that the ultimate goal? Like, people are like, oh, you know, like, I can't wait to retire. It's like, well, why do you want to work then? They're like, well, I need money. I'm like, well, yeah, you need money now. But wouldn't it be nice that you never needed money? And they're like, well, yeah, I can't get rich. I'm like, no. We just have so much stuff that you don't need to work. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, if your job was replaced by a robot... Do you still need money? And they're like, well, yeah, I got to pay my bills. It's like, well, what if houses were like free because robots built them and it didn't cost you anything? Right. And they're like, like you could see a light bulb turn on. I'm like, what if you just everything was so much, so much, so much cheaper that you really didn't need to work because everything was all done by robots and the couple people that need to work are just fixing the robots. Everything else is done. Well, and then the other argument is, if what you're doing can be done by a robot, mm-hmm. then do something that can't be done by a robot. And he, he goes make along yourself, and says, 
laborers will never be replaced by robots. Yeah. Like, if you're doing something repetitive, it'll be replaced. But if it's not repetitive, right. construction, welding, whatever, it's all yeah. those. He goes, th- that and and creativity, where you have to think outside the box, lawyers, professionals, whatever it is, those will never be replaced by robots because they cannot perform human logic. Or if you are a lawyer or are an accountant or are any of those professions that can be replaced by a robot, mm-hmm. that generally, in my opinion, would mean that you're not doing a dynamic enough job at what you're doing. 100%. That you can be replaced by a robot. 100%. <laughs> you know? And, and the craziest, and to add on, I think people that are, you know, oh, I'm so afraid that I'm going to lose my job to a robot. Yeah. Those people are afraid that they're going to lose a job to you or me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just... Okay, if you're afraid to lose your job, make your job so you can't be replaced. So I work. I work. Um, What's your added benefit? I work with a lot of um, human resource people, mm-hmm. and the annual review process is a significant chunk of what they do every year. Mm-hmm. And I can tell people that are comfortable with their jobs mm-hmm. and people that see me as a threat mm-hmm. because they run the annual review process, mm-hmm. and so you know their job is to nag people. Starting in October, every two months, you know, every two weeks for a couple months saying, you got to get your annual review in, you got to get your review in, you got to get, you know, you do, did you do your 360 yet? Did you do, you know, did you do your comprehensive employee assessment and all that stuff? And then after they get the information in, they, you know, crunch the numbers and they talk to managers. So you're talking three, four or five months sometimes Mm -hmm. of the year that these people are working on this process. Yeah. And so what they see my um, automated process as being is a replacement for one of their key functions. And, I mean, I've, I've literally left meetings thinking, <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to buy into Ripple because They'll they're concerned. Yeah. They're concerned about um, surviving. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I, I get it on one level, but the – the entrepreneur in me says, what What kind of a business model is that? Yep. You do something that's ineffective, inefficient, anxiety-ridden, uh, you know, unproductive, and the reason you promote it is because you want to know that you have job security? That's the reason. Yeah. I mean, where else does that work in business? Oh, it it's, doesn't, it's it, so sad. Yeah, it doesn't work. And, like, if you're, I guess if you're a forward-thinking person, I feel like if I was in that situation where it was like, all right, I would think of Ripple as like a blessing, yeah. Because if you're if you're forward thinking, that's three to five months of your year that you're now free reallocated, yeah, to doing so much more shit, putting in better company policies, really looking over, you know, where employees are spending their free time or whatever it is, or why they're requesting off. What can we do to help? You know, if if I see, you know, every every employee is asking off in um, in July. August and and June or September, you know, why are they always asking if, you know, maybe, hey, you know what, if you want a prime month, yeah, you could look at the numbers, you know, maybe if you want a prime month off, a prime week off in in those, in the summer months when everybody wants off, you get five days. But if you're willing to wait so the company's not hurting until until January, February, we'll give you eight days. We'll give you 10 days. 100%. Like, like that. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Is like right. If you're an accounting firm, time. if you're an accounting firm, and you want to take off a week in late March, yeah, up against the April fifteenth deadline, yep, no, or or that week's going to cost you two weeks, yep. And if you want to take it off in August, yep, then you can take one week 
and we'll give you two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I mean, I think it's, that's that that will happen. That's just like the first. That's but the that's, first thing I think. But of. you used the right word. You said dynamic. You said forward thinking. Yes, like you for, have to be. If you're not a forward thinking company, then you're stuck in 1980. And, and if you're stuck we'll in 1980. And if you're stuck in 1980, you might you still pay the bills and you make a little money and you know your your growth's okay because you have existing clients mm-hmm. that keep using you because they like you and all that kind of stuff. But you're never going to kill it. You're never going to you're, nev- you're, yeah. you're never going to make the impact that you probably thought you would when you started your company. Yep. And so we we're looking we're looking exactly for that. We're looking for forward thinking, dynamic, yeah, you, you know, be. think out of the box type have companies. So it's good stuff. Good man. We just crushed an hour and thirty minutes. Bam. Almost on the dot. Easy. How do people find you? How do people uh um ripplecrew.com is our website. Um spell it out so people know. R I P P L E C R E W dot com. Um you know, I mean it gives you everything you need to know about what we're doing. Um there's a contact us um button, mm-hmm. you know, use Ripple for free and then that gives me a an email and then I, I contact you. Um, use use that, and I mean I know it's stupid, and I've I've been doing this for a couple of years, but I I give out my phone six four six six four three seven seven eight six. Um, Not at that point yet, where you're going to get a million phone calls no. to hammer you. No, and 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 I also things. think it's a credibility thing. Like yeah. I I I'm on twenty four seven. You know, I own my own business. I um I work with our current clients. I mean, I was on the phone driving over here with with one of our clients who wanted to add a bunch of people and yep. and take a couple of people off a team. Um, you know, the, one of the nicest things about being in sales, you meet all sorts of people meeting, you know, meeting you, you know, through Adam and just chance opportunities. And, you know, I go, I go out and I, I, I talk to pretty much anybody and, um, you never know who you're going to talk to. And when I bring it up, when I bring up what I do, it's, oh man, I, I did our annual review a couple months ago. It sucked. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that process. I hate it. All the Give time. me your card all, all the, time. the time. And, and the people who don't get it. Most I don't want to talk to them anyway. <laughs> don't yeah that and people when you, most conversations because I'm seeing and this is for some of the people I follow or people that listen regularly is most conversations don't start with hey what do you do or right. if they do it's like hey what do you do it's like ah oh, you know I, I own this company called Ripple we do this 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 all right cool like what do you do all right oh like what hobby oh you're obviously a sports guru let's yep. talk about sports and then you build that rapport totally. with the person and then you have the process of business. Yes. Far too often do I see people that are like, oh, my God, I need to talk about what you do and what your business is. Like, no. Even starting just- this, right? When we were talking earlier. Yeah. We were talking about sports. We were talking about, you know, that I did some radio in college. Yeah. That, you know, I, mean, I didn't even tell you we started. We just rolled right into it. And and so what, what I find interesting about that is the whole concept of how comfortable you are um, – with what you're doing in life, not yeah. just what you do professionally. Mm-hmm. Simon Sinek, do you know him? Check him out no. on uh, on YouTube. He's he has this whole thing, you know. To your point of what do you do? When he's asked that at cocktail parties, he says something along the lines. I'm paraphrasing, but he says something along the lines of, "I wake up every morning wanting to make people that I interact with their lives better." Mm-hmm. I mean, if you say I'm a lawyer. It was like, oh, okay. If I say, you know, <laughs> reaction was like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> if I say, what do you do? And really, if you think about it, yeah. that that description should be accurate for most people that are happy in what they do. Yeah, I wake up every morning trying to make people's lives, the people that I interact with, a little better. Mm-hmm. 
my customers, my wife, my family, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, my customers. That's what I do this I mean, for. Yeah. And so Make if my that's life better than other people's lives. Better. So if the, if that's what you're doing, that's that's a brilliant description at a cocktail party to say, what do you do? Instead of I run a software company. Because it's oh, like, 100%. oh, I think I'm going to go check out what they have for hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. Yep. Maybe I'll catch you later. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, you say you're a lawyer at any party, unless it's a American Bar Association mm-hmm. function. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah, okay. This guy's a whole bucket of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> great. Fantastic. Everyone loves lawyers. Just the you guy know? I want to talk yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and that's and that's what I think if you're if you're happy in terms of what you're doing, it you shows. Don't, you don't work that much. Nope. You know, you you tell me, yeah, we do six o'clock Mondays. I'm like, cool. Yep. You know, I mean, I get it. It's, it's awesome, and awesome to meet people that get the big picture. You know, oh, the little picture so changes for everybody. Yeah, but the little picture changes for everybody. Everyone has their own um, micro experience, yes. but the macro should be. How can I, you know, if you have any listeners right now that hate the process, if they're employees and they talk to the manager and say, yeah, you know, I, I heard this thing and maybe we should look into Ripple. If you're an owner, if you're a manager and you hate it, because I know you do, you know, I mean, no one ever says, oh, man, our annual review thing. That was <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> let's do it. Unless let's... you're the star employee just waiting to get your raise. And even then, even then, it's still, that star employee is still anxious. And the manager has to allocate time out of his or her schedule, has to review all the other numbers, has to crunch everything. So, I mean, it's just it's just an exercise in futility. And yeah. so what we try to do is we boil it down to something that is manageable and effective. So I love it. Yeah. I love it. Guys. All right? All right, man. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, no problem. Until next time. Sounds good. Thank you for tuning in to the last minutes of the show. Most people don't give an hour and 45 minutes or so of their time um, to listen to podcasts, so I genuinely appreciate you subscribing, tuning in that long. Like I said in the beginning, if you enjoy it, subscribe. If you really enjoy it, subscribe and share. Definitely helps me out big time. Uh, I have the Draft Top giveaway, brutallyhonestpodcast.com forward slash, no, I lied. Maybe forward slash extras. I don't even know. But we'll just go with com under extras. You can see the um, where you can enter in for your chance to win a draft top, the ultimate beer drinking tool. The deadline for that is coming up 9.30.17. So um, at midnight, I'm going to close it out. So that's where you got to go. Um, like I said in the beginning too, if you want to support the show, um, I have a Patreon account available. Patreon.com forward slash i don't know just search for it um and then the huge thank you to the hanging hills brewing company again still drinking the beer because i did the opening and closing at the same time um but it's delicious um i'm actually super excited to go to hartford connecticut and drink some um and meet the guys down there i've heard they're a great bunch of people and i appreciate the shit out of them for sending uh sending me some beer and yeah thanks so much and it's good beer too and I'm not just saying that because they sent it to me I'm saying it because I genuinely enjoy it um, I've actually asked about it and nobody around here has it so I feel extra special that I've gotten it and I'm hoping that people in the area will begin to carry their beer because it is um, quite delicious 
And last but not least, um, thank you to the Nerds That Care for sponsoring the show. Without them, the show could not be possible. If you're a company, you own a company, even if you work for a company and you're looking for the best interest of the company, and I'm not saying you need to get rid of your in-house IT person, but it could be a very good benefit to have extra sets of hands when it's needed. Uh, it's not uncommon for the nerds that care to work alongside an IT person inside a company because the workload is just too much for them to handle, um, especially for easy easy tasks that could be very daunting on somebody that works in-house. So go give uh, the nerds that care. Go to nerdsthatcare.com. Just read. You'll see a picture of me um, on there. But like I said, compliance is huge. Um, Noah's seen it too. These small shops who are having issues with compliancy, who don't have that in-house IT person or are already working with an IT company, they're going to be in some serious trouble. And we're hoping that hopefully we can help as many as possible um, come the new rules and regulations at the end of this year and February of next year. So on that note, appreciate the shit out of you guys. Thank you so much for listening um, all the way to a minute and 48, a minute, an hour and 48 minutes. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, I got two more podcasts coming up this week. So stay tuned for those. All right. Till next time. Peace.